Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined as always by my good friends, Ronnie Martin and Barnabas Piper. Uh, boys, we took a little week's hiatus, man. Something we haven't done really since the in the history of the program, Barnabas. We've been uh, we've been radio pros and uh, and hitting it hard each week, but uh, we decided to take a week off. And I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I feel refreshed. There's a newness to our interaction. There's a sense of discovery again. Ted, you want to tell the audience where we all went on vacation while we took that week off together? Uh, yeah, we were all in Cancun. So, you know, it was just a little, a little retreat, a little planning weekend. Um, cause you know, we had to do some stuff for us guys. Yeah. A little uh, me time. Yeah. You have to yeah. pamper yourself once in a while in this business, which, which really will, it will grind you down. I mean, and by that, I mean the business of talking via Skype for about 45 minutes once a week. It's Guys, rough. I don't think people appreciate the prep time that goes into this show. And so for us to go to Cancun for a week means that we were able within the span of an hour on the beach, prep the next 61 episodes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> able to spend a lot of time on Wikipedia fact checking. You know? I know. That's, and which is good because normally our, uh, our show prep consists of somewhere between four and 40 text messages. Guys, exactly. I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up, man, because one of the one of the byproducts of being in this business, this cutthroat uh, business of Christian entertainment, uh, is that people feel a certain level of access. People feel a certain level of uh, familiarity. They feel like they know us via the show. And uh, occasionally we get uh, mail. We get fan mail and we get uh, we get responses from people. Now, I'll say this, 95% of the time, uh, it's overwhelmingly positive, encouraging, uh, but Big R, off the air, you were talking about a dynamic wherein someone will open with this statement. They'll say, overall, meaning overall in terms of everything you've ever done in your career and probably your life, I'm a huge fan, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And you know that what follows the dot, dot, dot is like a, a really s- s- scathing, sizzling critique of something that you've done, like a really impossible critique. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's so interesting because you'll get like this. It's almost like because they've invested into you right. as a fan, it gives them the right. So, in other words, it'll always be like so, like for me, you know, kind of going back into my music career, it would always be something like, "Man, I've been a fan since this record from like twelve years ago, um, and I really, um, I really don't think you did well on the new record." And you, yeah. you just kind of sit there and go, "Yeah, here's the thing. I don't really have a comeback for that. I don't really yeah. know where to go with that." Other right. than to say sorry or, you know, I don't refund these things because I, I you know, I, I can't go into FYE and give you a refund for the record, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. and, and you wouldn't anyway because they could have uh, read a review or something, you know, yeah. they, they could have done yeah. their homework, maybe previewed exactly. it on iTunes. Exactly. I, I feel well, yeah, like those... and it, and it's, even, it's even more ridiculous with this because, I mean, this costs people literally nothing, you know, you you open up a browser on your computer or you, you know, click on it on your phone and the investment is nil. Um, you know, the implication there being feel free to walk away at any time. You know, <laughs> it's, there's the, it's a bit of a, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. So guys, this is, this is all kind of an entree to, uh, to an email that we received from a listener. And let me, let me just caveat further by saying, uh, we do love hearing from listeners. It's fun to hear from people, uh, via Twitter, via email, um, and th- but this one though, guys, I thought was just a classic, you know. And this was one of those emails that um, immediately got us kind of texting back and forth. And uh, what what I'm going to do here, guys, is I'm going to borrow a conceit from another podcast that I'm on, and I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to invite you to not react. 
All right. We're just going to, we're just going to kind of let it hang in the air and speak for itself. Um, so here we go. And, and maybe, maybe by way of reaction, I'll ask you guys to just kind of explain maybe what the, what the writer was going for in this email tonally and otherwise. Are we ready? We'll, we'll, we'll try. Okay. Hey boys. Oh no, no, no. The subject line is Wikipedia is your friend. All right. So that's the subject. Hey boys. Greetings from Dallas, Texas. Love the podcast. I've been binge listening ever since finding you a month or so ago with the latest updates on Driscoll. Maybe I linked there from Warren Throckmorton or perhaps a friend who works at Lifeway. Not sure. Dot, dot, dot. I have but one complaint. May I implore one of you to have Wikipedia open during the podcast for quick reference. The guys at Resonate Recording can edit out the lookup, right? Fellas, this podcast will live for all time. You know, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Uh, <laughs> timeless. timeless. Dude, it's timeless. In 20 years, people are going to be talking about this podcast. You know, think about that, guys. You know? They're just going to be wishing they still had this format to play it on because obviously this will be extinct. But yeah. Exactly. So he goes on to say, this is the serial of snarky Christian cynical podcasting. Wow. We cannot have poor fact-checking live or live on for a digital eternity. Example, Jim Henson did not start Sesame Street. It was started. <laughs> I'm, not re- I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing about something else that was happening in my office. Um, okay. Uh, Jim Henson did not start Sesame Street. It was started by the children's television workshop, and they brought him in. Try watching a documentary. I mean, seriously. Also, the book I Am Legend. Try 1954, not the 70s. Good grief. That's a Rachel Held Evans level of historical critical analysis. I expect better from biblically literate men. <clears throat> Ronnie, clearly there's something funny happening in your in your studio as well. Not this. Because I, oh. I know you're I know you're Oh yeah, there's nothing bro. funny about anything you're reading at all. No, no not at all, guys, because this is just this is one one comment, one critique that he had to make, which is actually four or five critiques. Uh, there's guys, more. Y'all carry on. Richard Matheson wrote that book along with other classics of sci-fi, including The Twilight Zone with William Shatner on the airplane. Piper must have conflated the Charlton Heston adaptation, uh, The Omega Man. I kid, a bit. Those, are, those two are the main things that really made me crazy. Just look it up or let's play Trivial Pursuit for money. Lots and lots of money. And then he goes on to, to a long paragraph here uh, in which he says something weird about submission in the marriage. Uh, he says another weird thing about Amish book jokes and another weird thing about homeschooling. Um, and then he really does ask a serious question, which I think we'll address in another episode, but, uh, that, that's it guys. That's, uh, that, that's the email. So my, my question is, I guess, how do you guys take that? Well, let me just start by saying that I, on behalf of the three of us and the happy rat, Mm -hmm. I want to apologize for not watching an hour long documentary on Jim Henson. (laughs) <laughs> before making a comment on Sesame Street. Ronald, I, uh, I will make sure apology. that that, ne- that that will never happen again. I will never make another comment on Sesame Street. I, I appreciate you apologizing on my behalf. I don't think I would have been a, uh, a big enough man to, to make that, that statement. You know what? Repentance is an important part of our walk. I think we would all agree on that. And I, and I think Ronnie has set a sterling example of what that looks like in this context. 
<laughs> well, the the question is, I mean, repentance is turning from your wrong ways to the right way. So the question is, yeah. uh, will Ronnie be our fact checker from here on out? And uh, as well as uh, watching a documentary, I mean, seriously. I'm yeah, turning I, from my, my ignorance vis-a-vis Sesame Street. I feel yeah, like I think the answer to that, that is is yeah. no. And Bar- Barnabas, why don't you explain our uh, our very in-depth um, you know, prep and analysis yeah. that we do for the rant? Give yeah. everybody a picture. A little of that. peek behind the curtain. This is like a documentary about our process. Absolutely. Right. So it's it is a complex process, and I, I beg listeners to hang with me as I run through this. Uh, it can be a yeah. bit lengthy, a bit intricate. Be so, as detailed as you need to be. So bear with me. Um, we usually record uh, later in the week. So either the morning of the recording or the day before, uh, one of us texts the others and says, what should we rant about? In an exchange of text messages, we select some ideas. On the day of the recording, we jump on Skype and hit record and we rant about them. Mm. And uh, I, I know that was tough to follow. <laughs> so there was a lot of information in that, but... Uh, that is that is the extent of our show prep. If there's prep required, I imagine it usually goes into about the eight minutes before uh, we start the Skype call. And that's when we would jump on and find out, for example, what is Mark Driscoll doing today? Or what does Twitter say about X and such? But yeah, that's that is the process. So uh, we appreciate um, we appreciate the critique for sure, because we do our best to, to not fact check, actually. You know, the, the way I like to think of our show prep involves like the three of us, like in a New York high rise in a writer's room, sort of with uh, like discarded takeout containers and like uh, legal pads and wadded up sheets of paper and, and stacks of books, you know, I, with which yeah, with, we, with typewriters that are completely unnecessary, but they they're the aesthetic. Absolutely. Typewriters on which we clack out our bits. Which we've, uh, which we heavily prepare ahead of time. In my mind's eye, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's kind of like SNL from the '70s when we're like the guys kind of writing the the, the skits and the jokes, and we're just yeah. pulling our hair out because it's like Friday night. We got to record in a day. Decadence. Yeah, yes. exactly. I, a documentary about Sesame Street playing <laughs> <in> the background <laughs> on the loop, just yeah, for just, atmosphere, just on repeat. I did think there was there was once there was one critique here that was very valid. Uh, he called <laughs> us the serial of snarky Christian cynical podcasting, and I'll say this: Serial uh, was a wildly entertaining podcast, which effectively answered no questions whatsoever. Mm. We are very good at not answering any questions whatsoever, so I think that's a I think that is an apt description. I, I like that. I took that to mean the cereal, meaning like the the sort of popular breakfast food of podcasts. <laughs> and he j- and he just can't spell very well. Meaning that we're we're always there. You know, we're we're the old standby in the pantry. You know, you you can have us in the evening or in the morning. Ted, that's hilarious, man. Because it really doesn't matter. Because, dude, this is what's funny for him to compare us with cereal. I mean, that is. That's high praise, man. I, I don't think we're quite at that level of podcasting. Chris. Guys, can I make an admission? And this is this is me, the like technology hating Luddite talking. I don't even know what cereal is. Can you explain to me what it is? Like, I mean, I know what the breakfast food is, but not the podcast. Yeah, Piper just kind of like yeah, Piper lay it out for like a second. Yeah, cereal is a podcast that uh, the folks from This American Life 
started oh, last yeah. year. And they, they looked at the case of a guy named, I think his name was Adnan Syed, who had been, he's been locked up for like 15 or 20 years for a murder that he may or may not have committed. And they basically revisited his case, walked through all the facts, interviewed all the, all the key people to figure out, was he guilty or was he innocent? And after like 25 episodes, they determined that we don't know. Um, so it was, uh, I, it was I brilliant think- storytelling with zero conclusion. I feel like America is so into that story right now, man. The, the, the whole did he or didn't he murder someone. Like I went to a – Well, there's the making of a murderer. Uh, yeah, which right. Was, yeah. It, was, it, was, uh, it was essentially serial on Netflix. I went to like yeah. a, a church party the other week and the only thing anyone could talk about was the making of a murderer. Like the, the, this Netflix thing that all these like otherwise you know, kind of buttoned up reform people are just apparently binge watching this show about murder and deceit and uh, – and all of this, it's all anybody could talk about. All the rage. No pun intended. Man. Anyway. That just took my breath away. Yeah. Yeah, good story. Sorry, eh? I was I, I mean, was, that just... was so. I mean, Ted, that was so eloquently. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, I, literally the first time any, any of us have ever just been speechless. Isn't that I amazing think, radio? I think we need to mark this as a happy rant. First, first, yeah. You're probably speechless because I probably made a mistake factually in that <laughs> monologue, and you were I, just you, you were both checking Wikipedia, which is a a really scintillating thing to do on the radio. I was I, at, well, I have my Wikipedia open right now. Obviously, it's just it's constantly open now. I mean, as soon as you said the word cereal, I typed in cereal. As soon as you said the word Henson, I typed in Muppet. I mean, I'm on this thing, fellas. I'm. On I like it, it, man. That's your commitment to this program. You're you want to really be a podcasting pro and i uh, can, i applaud that can you well, look guys up- when this is the way you make your living you know i feel like it, it deserves some time and some <laughs> this is your bread and butter yes. you know you're just a craftsman ronnie you're just a lunch pail guy going to work each morning you know right hey right. ronnie Let's can start. you can you look up real quick uh charlton heston's adaptation of the omega man because apparently i'm conflating something with that but i'm not really yeah, sure what i'm conflating right with now what? oh all i see is guns all over the screen i don't i don't know if that's gonna help you did you no, know that, what pretentious that's, that's word? That's nra.com. Sorry, bud. <laughs> I love the word conflating. Uh, you know what? I love it because I know what it means while not knowing or yes. having any clue at all what it means whatsoever. It can kind of mean a variety of things, and it, but it always makes you sound pretentious. It yeah. never it never disappoints on that level. <laughs> that's right. I've, I used that word seven times today, not knowing if it applied or not, but I, but I, but I felt better when I used it, Big T. That's in the same genre as a word like pastiche. You know, absolutely. <laughs> you don't really know what it means, but you know that it makes you sound a certain way. I think, right. this, I think you our pronounce it past stick or past stitch too. Which <laughs> stitch. Makes yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think we could conflate our show with having a, a really, uh, a really excellent pastiche. I mean, I, yeah, think, that's, exactly. I think that's really what it comes down to. Wow. Of course, give it, you know, leave it to Piper to come again. We're forgetting big T about, you know, the, the work he did the last couple of weeks on those book promos, which again was phenomenal. Dude, he's um, done some amazing work and maybe I'm conflating his, his radio work with his book promo work. I don't know. Yeah. What, you know? what was the, yeah, past, I think that's what was the pastiche of the book promos? Oh dude. I oh. mean, I don't know if I want to get back into renovate by our boy Leon's Crump the third, I think. Now but, you're giving uh, Leon's free promo here. Big R. I he just did. I'm a space. fan of Leon's regardless of what I said off the air. I'm a fan of Leon's. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I'm a fan of Leon's when he's paying us. <laughs> also, I'd probably be a fan of him in real life too, but I just haven't put the time in. Full disclosure. Gentlemen, speaking of Leon's and speaking of what reformed guys like, they like Leon's. Am I right? I believe uh, you're right. Yes. 
there's also a lot of things that reformed guys don't like. Um, and reformed guys, in fact, are kind of at times known by what they don't like. And, and I think this conversation came up, correct me if I'm wrong, Pipe. Um, weren't we all some morning, this was in Cancun, I think on the beach, um, as the sun kind of shone down and as we just relaxed and talked about our program, uh, in a free and unhindered sort of way, I think we were, we were dreaming about, you know, what if we, what if we broadcast live from one of these reformed conferences and, you know, what if we had sort of a, a meet and greet or a table or some way that, uh, listeners to the program could come to one of these comps and could meet us and, Somebody made the comment that, yeah, forget about it. These guys, these, you know, meaning these reform guys that put on these conferences are impossible to work with and, you know, humorless. And, um, and it begged the question, you know, for guys who supposedly have this rich and robust understanding of, of grace and freedom in Christ and joy and salvation, um, why are they such curmudgeons? Um, and why is there so little sort of laughter in that space? So, Ted, on the, this idea of unreformed, reformed guys, I think it's one of these fascinating sort of things that we look at and you think, well, what do reformed guys get hit with more than anything? The guys that are all about the doctrines of grace, they mm. typically, the thing that they get nailed with is that they lack grace. Mm. Um, so again, um, this sort of this high element of, like you just pointed out, freedom in Christ, joy in our salvation because it's secured. So why are we so uptight? about all the things that we believe that God is sovereignly in control over. Like, we should just be the most laughing, joking, um, ease-of-life kind of dudes that exist in the world, right? So the question, again, maybe I'm just repeating your question. So why aren't we? Like, what, yeah. like what's yeah. wrong with this picture? And again, does it, does it kind of cross over into um, the level of control that we're trying to have over our joy? So again, if you if you try to if you try to control the joy, um, then there's something about it that makes you into a slightly curmudgeoned reformed Maybe can guy. I, can I push you on that a little bit and and get you to flesh out what you mean by control the joy? Because I think I get what you're saying, and I and I think I'm really tracking with it. But um, what do you mean control? Well, the joy? to control the joy means that we want it. We're so we're very very we're, we're we've we very much you know uh, we have a high value on doctrine. And mm-hmm. so our, our form of doctrine, we want to make sure that it stays intact. And mm-hmm. so I think where a lot of the, uh, I think where a lot of the joylessness comes in and some of the anger comes in is when we feel like people are tweaking with the doctrine. Yeah. And so there's, that's where I think the mm-hmm. level of control comes out over the, uh, the, the, uh, the joy, you know, right. or the lack thereof. Well, Does that make sense? I think you know, that ex- you guys can probably flesh that out better than me. I think that expresses itself by needing needing a like a one degree of separation from something doctrinal. So it has to be like joy in the Bible, joy in the Lord. But if you find joy in something else, like say irreverent banter about uh, Wikipedia, then <laughs> uh, then that that is. You're, you're in potentially hazardous territory because that is joy in not a safe thing, apparently. Yeah. Big T, what do you think, man? Because, I mean, we've – okay, so Big T and I, we have been – we've had many a conversation about this particular item over the years because I've always – we've always talked about this. I've always thought, yeah. man, if you're truly a reformed dude, if you truly believe that you are secure in Christ – then you should literally be the jolliest dude that has ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, am I right? 
No, you're right, man. And we, and we have, we've, uh, we've definitely talked a lot about this and, and let me be the first to admit, I struggle with this. I mean, I struggle yeah. with control and wanting control and wanting to sort of mastermind everything in my life. And I, and I think the, I think the reform pitfall in, in the, the, the whole joy thing might be, you know, guys in this space tend to be so thinky and so intellectual. We, we want to kind of, we, we do want to define everything and we want to put boundaries around everything. And we want to, you know, we treat joy like we treat doctrine. You know, we, we want to white paper about it. We want to figure it out. We want to figure out how to have joy and what having joy looks like. And instead of just enjoying it, instead of just enjoying (laughs) stuff, like what pipe said, you know, instead of realizing like, you know, part of celebrating God's sovereignty is that, you know, I can laugh about the stupid thing that happened to me, or I can not sweat the, you know, weird passive aggressive fan mail that we got or whatever, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it should, God's sovereignty should give us the freedom to laugh off a whole bunch of stuff. It like, should, you man. Should just, yeah. like, you, Cause you get to the point where all the thinkiness, as you described it, you just sort of, you, you tap out, you get to the yeah. place where you're like, well, so- sovereignty is God's thing, not mine. But right. since he's sovereign, I can just chill out. And so, I mean, Ronnie used the word jolly. I think just relaxed is it, right. is it right. which is a big piece of joy because it's real hard to be joyful when you're stressed out all the time. And so yeah. just being able to chill and be like, you know what? God's got God's got it. It's in his hands. So I'm just going to take it easy. And I think we all struggle with that because we, you know, as in all people, not just the three of us, because we all want to be in control of the situation. You know, that's why I lose my temper when I'm driving and I get stuck in traffic. Like that's not my plan. But just being able to chill and laugh at stuff and just kind of be like, that's really funny. That that's a that's a really quirky, funny thing that happened, and we should just be able to to laugh at it and take genuine pleasure in the fact that it was odd, not in uh, not in the odd tied directly to a verse in the Bible, for example. Yeah, exactly, and I, and I think it's why we get the reputation as sort of cold, distant, chilly people, you know, because part of loving people and part of being in relationships and one of the one of the fun parts of being in relationships, I think, is finding, you know, finding the humor in life with people and uh, enjoying things together and, and not having to have this kind of freakish level of of sovereignty <laughs> over our own lives while at the same time kind of bloviating about God's sovereignty. It's a, it's a real weird thing, man. It's a weird tension. I, I have to admit, too, that like this, this issue is a little less acute in that, you know, I, I've been blessed over the last, you know, five or six years to be, you know, to be in churches where this wasn't as, as big of an issue, you know, like there are a lot of joyful, you know, really cool reform dudes in my life now, uh, on a day to day kind of basis. And, and also I'm less, you know, probably less kind of involved in the reformed blogosphere than I've ever been in my life. So I'm not getting, I'm not getting a lot of the curmudgeonliness. (laughs) Also a source of joy. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like in, in stepping away from that, I think contributed to the joy because it was, you know, it's draining. I mean, all the, all the kind of, you know, battles and, and nitpicking sort of things are draining. And, and there is a tension here, though, guys, between, you know, you can you can err on the side of being lazy, too, where you just throw up your hands and go, I'm not going to think about anything. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just going to say, because God's sovereign, I don't have to do any any work. So I think there's a there's a middle ground like there is in everything where you, you know, you do care about theology and you want to study and you want to learn and you want to, you know, be pushed in certain areas in your life. But I think I think it always has to have practical application. And and oftentimes for me, it goes back to like, how am I enjoying God's grace and how am I resting and trusting in his sovereignty in my life? And, um, you know, I continue to be convicted about that. 
I think a, I think a good sign of how joyful you are is if you talk about joy a lot, you're you're probably kind of ruining other people's joy. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like if I take my kids out, and I'm constantly true. like, "Hey, are you guys happy? Are you enjoying this? How is it? Are you having a great time? Isn't this amazing?" Eventually, right. they're just going to be like, "Dad, chill out. I'm eating my ice cream." Whereas <laughs> if if all if all we're saying is how good the ice cream is, that's an indication that maybe we're actually enjoying ourselves. And I feel like that's where we go wrong so often because we're constantly trying to label things like, is this is this jo- a joyful thing? Is this happy? Is this something that we can really enjoy? Like, just chill out and enjoy it. Just take it. Yeah, easy. it's like reform guys are are constantly DTRing it, aren't they? They're yes. like they're like DTJing <laughs> it. Define the joy. You know what I mean? We it's DTJ like, dude, we have to just DTR keep defining and defining everything. Defining. Yeah. Well, and part of that though is you know, and here's the thing, right? So part of that is because when you come from churches that don't put an emphasis on grace. Um, what they're typically not doing is ever asking why they're doing anything. And right. so when you come from that tradition and you come into a more reformed tradition, that's one of the emphasis that you start putting on everything that you do is, well, let's talk about why we're doing this because we want to keep instructing people. We want people to keep growing in the knowledge of the Lord and in these particular doctrines. So again, but what, you're, but what you guys said is, is, is on point because what it does is it strips away just some of the naturalness that we should have. It's almost like, okay, so check this out. I was taking cross-country skiing lessons the other, you know, two nights ago, and it was a freaking disaster. <laughs> but here's what the issue was. The issue was all you really got to do is pretend like you're running on those skis. And like uh-huh. just the minute you start thinking about it, like you lose your glide. Uh-huh. And so because I'm not good at it, all I was doing was thinking about it. So there was no glide. Uh-huh. And, um, and, I, and I think that's what's going on here is that we, we lose our glide with those things. Oh, instead man. of just like live, instead of living out the grace God has given us, and um, and by the way, Big T, that was one of the greatest uh, expositions on a re- reformed grace I've ever heard a minute ago. Really? Wow! I'm just kidding. I just want to make some. Uh, I, I thought you were referring to your own your own thing vis a vis the skiing, like your own illustration. Because I, I <laughs> no, I was referring to what you just said too. I just think we're man. I mean, this is like us preaching sermons now. I mean, this is what this Dude, podcast really, is becoming. That's a sermon intro. People can clip that out and just use it as as a way to introduce their to, sermon. To get back on track with what we actually do on this podcast, um, <laughs> Ronnie, I think you need to write a book called "Don't Lose Your Glide." Oh, Dude. I love, don't waste your glide. <laughs> Don't waste your glide. I mean, I need I, I need a little co-writing the, the, on su- the supremacy of Christ in gliding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, pipe full disclosure. This is a joke that no one will think is funny besides the three of us. But uh, Good, it's perfect. Ronnie and I. It's a long story. I won't go into it in in full detail. But he and I had an experience with parkour when we were together one time. <laughs> and by that uh-huh. I mean not real parkour, but but watching someone play a video game of parkour. And I thought you were talking about like somebody leapfrogging over a uh, a bike rack or something. No, this was a, this was a video version of it. Yes. This is a video game version of that. And so I don't know how it got started, but we started taking classic Christian book titles and replacing one word with the word parkour. Ooh. Uh, and it worked really well, man. It was a lot of fun. So um, we'll introduce that on another broadcast. We will. Maybe that? that'll be a recurring segment. Yeah, we, uh, we workshops and book titles. I know I'm, I've I've got about half a dozen bouncing around in my head right now, and it does work really well. Yeah. It really works. It, but all that help to my say, help my parkour. Don't waste your glide is pretty money. <laughs> I, I think there's a book there, Big R. I think there is. And you, I, and you like wrap a it of all of this. 
I'm going to throw this out again for the second time. I'd like a couple of co-writers. I'm not hearing you guys like jump to the table on that. So that's why I'm debating that. I didn't didn't want to be presumptuous because, you know, some sometimes people want to own their projects and and put their name all over it. And so I didn't want to jump in there and and claim credit for somebody else's work. But of course, bigger than I'm in provided we can cross country ski together. Absolutely. Where does that sport rank with like racquetball? I feel like cross country skiing is sort of like. If you're like an old paleontologist and, it, and it's winter, you do that. You know Dude, I was I, taking – I literally felt like I, that, that's, that's who we're taking the lessons with us. We're 67-year-old paleontologists and yeah. philanthropists. Well, yeah, a guy with like a gray ponytail and like a, you know, a drab olive-colored like, you know. Cross-country switch. skiing is for people who can't jog anymore because it hurts their knees or back. Yeah, so, which, which is I've really never probably had anything what you just hurt said. my knees and back more than cross-country skiing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you lost your glide. Maybe. Oh, Maybe. we need to get you into one of these water aerobics classes, guys. Is Crossway <laughs> listening to this kind of gold? Are, do I already do I have some offers are. coming in already? Along oh, let me check gold? my phone. Let me check my phone. We'll see. Are I have it on good authority books? that the entire Crossway brass, um, including Justin Taylor and others, they all shut down whatever it is they're doing when the episodes drop, and they listen just like in the boardroom, you know, with notebooks. Guys, no, the question so is: Do we want? Do we want? Don't waste your glide or the uh, or, or the happy rant adult coloring book to come out first. What would be what would be better for marketing, Piper? You probably have some. What well, I think we co-release, and the first few images in the coloring book are cross-country skiing related. It can be sort of a it can be a winter release, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and so there's sort of a seasonal theme to it. I think it's the perfect sort of uh, cross-branding opportunity. Cross. I've already finished cross-country branding. <laughs> I love it. Just, I already looked it up on Wikipedia. I have three chapters completed. If you guys can get me the rest by tomorrow, we'll. Uh, I want you to fact to check the material on cross country skiing, though, because <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want any any headaches in that area. Uh, Justin Taylor just shot me a text. It's it's nothing but uh, several dollar signs. So I think nice. we're uh, I think we're doing nice. all right here. Are we good? Excellent, guys. Speaking Excellent. of dollar signs, there's another uh, another gentleman who, like us, is in the entertainment industry. Uh, like us, has a Twitter following. Um, and like us can't get his facts straight. Like us can't get his facts straight and creates massive controversy because of it. And like us is $53 million in debt. Exactly. His name is Kanye West and he's been, uh, he's been the source of some internet related craziness over the last few days. Um, guys, why don't you, here's what I'd like you to do before we really dive into this Kanye topic is, uh, just give me maybe like one sentence on your your interaction with Kanye West's product in the past, just to give the, the people a little sense for where we're coming from. These Kanye, uh, go go ahead, Ronnie. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, I'm not a hip hop guy, okay. really, on any level. Um, I can count on one hand the amount of hip hop records I've ever bought. One of them, though, happens to be Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreak which yeah. I thought was actually a really great album, but I have not really done a lot of uh, Kanye follow-up since that record, which came out, I believe, probably eight or nine years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago. Maybe that's interesting. Pipe, what about you? What's your Kanye uh, experience been like? Well, I was a big hip-hop fan in high school and college, but that was all kind of like pre-2004, 2005 stuff, especially right. the 90s stuff. So Kanye came around like... I was busy raising babies and so wasn't really paying attention to hip hop, but everything I've heard of his, I really like. He's, yeah. he's incredibly gifted. Uh, yeah. 
the one thing I didn't so much like uh, is, although it was amusing, was was every time he gets up and, and says something about how he's the greatest artist in the history of the world and how uh, that all of that general sort of narcissistic nonsense. But yeah, his music is phenomenal. Yeah, well, I let have. Me just, uh, oh, go ahead, Big T. No, I have a, I have one Kanye record. Uh, it's the one that came out a few years ago. It's got the red cover. Uh, My beautiful My dark, dark twisted, twisted fantasy. fantasy. And, yeah. and like you, Big R, I loved it. I thought that was really, really creative. Uh, he samples a bunch of like just random people, random you know influences. There's some like '70s art rock on there, and there's like some like hipster music on there. It's really it's it's really incredible. And I think that's um, his strength because he yeah. he definitely takes a lot of varying influences and sort of inserts them in a very minimalistic way into most yeah. of his music, which is kind of fascinating. But the reason why this topic came uh, came to our table was actually my daughter. I want to give some props out there for Beth Caroline Martin. Already super bummed that I said her middle name because we got that from Little House on the Prairie, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, the bottom line was she, she wrote me yesterday and she said, you guys have got to cover the Kanye debacle on the rant. By the way, <laughs> did she use the word debacle? Become, yeah, I think so. But she's be- yes. but more importantly than that, Piper, she's become a fan of the rant. Baby, Bethy listens to the rant? Absolutely. So why don't, you, why don't you give her a little shout there, Big T? Bethy, what's up? This is Big T. Uh, it's been way too long, my friends. Uh, we got, baby, we got to hang out in person, all of us. It's you know? getting out of control. I was in your so town three times last week. I just didn't have time to, to contact yeah, you. Got, you but you actually rented a house on Airbnb <laughs> just a couple doors down from mine. We did. We, I, we, I stayed there for six weeks, but I just didn't have time. <laughs> didn't get I'm a writing a book called Don't Waste Your Glide. I didn't have time for that. Yeah, our schedules were interaction. to work out. No, I get it. I get it. So she said, so she said you know, again, if you were following him even a few weeks ago or a month ago, he's he's just going nuts about, you know, my album's getting ready to drop. And he kept changing the title, kept changing the title. And then um, it finally drops this week. It's called The Life of Pablo. He does his SNL performance. And then he starts just this maniacal strain of, uh, of just crazy, crazy tweets telling everybody that he's broke. He's 53 mil in debt. And he's going after Mark Zuckerberg to invest a billion dollars into his art. And so this is just like this is just like a guy that is um, I mean, the ego has landed with this guy. I mean, it's already been landed with this guy, but it's like just gone to these proportions where you just think like, like what's going to happen to his career when he's kind of hit this level of absolute like silliness and ridiculousness and mayhem. So I thought that was that was interesting enough for us to uh, to go after. So Piper, what do you think, man? Every time I see somebody go crazy like this, barring somebody like Charlie Sheen, where it's clear there's, you know, just massive substance abuse issues. I wonder, is this, is this just a genius marketing campaign? Well, of course. Absolutely. I I wonder if this is all intentional and I suspect that he's, uh, you know, I, I think he probably has some, uh, I don't know, some sort of bipolar or something where it's he, he's kind of all over the place. And friends of his have said he needs counseling and stuff like that, public statements. Um, <clears throat> but he's a he's a genius marketer to go along with his uh, his very creative artistry. But I do. Th- I mean, I think great artists often tend to be on the, the sort of manic and unreasonable side. I mean, that's absolutely just throughout history. There's there tends to be a fair amount of crazy in really good artists. But don't you think it's really – this is what fascinates me about it is that there's no consideration towards like what the public what, – what sort of the persona um, that, that you're creating 
for them to sort of like put back on you might be. So in other words, like it's, it's perfectly okay for Kanye to just come off like, you know, in the past, he just came off like this really, really egotistical, arrogant guy, which he still does. Because again, two of the comments he made is this is the greatest record of all time. And I'm the greatest living artist of all time. But again, what it calls into question is, like, do you care now what the opinion is going to be of your fans? And if you're going to wear them out or if you're going to take them to a place that they don't even want to follow you anymore, because this level of craziness, people kind of hit a ceiling with it, right? I I think they do, but I think they hit a ceiling with it, but I don't think that will stop people from buying his music. Yeah. Because – the product that people are purchasing has almost nothing to do with the crazy guy asking Mark Zuckerberg to invest a billion dollars in Kanye ideas. I mean, that's, that just keeps him in the news, you know? And, and I, and I think somebody mentioned it before. I think that is a, a kind of brilliant stroke of marketing intentionality. See also Beyonce, you know, she didn't let, she didn't let the stage of the Super Bowl come and go without, you know, a little, uh, the sort of the attachment of a little controversy to go along with the you know the song that she debuts at the Super Bowl. So I mean, I um, I think we're I think you know somebody like Beyonce is clearly calculated in how she does things. Like she's she protects her image and she projects yeah. an image that she has crafted carefully, which I think is probably a little bit safer. Uh, whereas like Kanye's just he's just crazy and out there. It's and, like he doesn't have a publicist. It's like he doesn't have a manager or a publicist, or if he and obviously he does, but it's like they have no control over his content. Dude, but guys, listen, if you're a hip hop artist, isn't this isn't this behavior from Kanye kind of all within the realm of normal for that genre? I mean, don't you expect a certain level of crazy? And what's more, if it's not there, aren't you a little bit disappointed? You know? But I feel like he's he's taken it to a level that's just I mean, because because he has said some things that are genuinely hurtful about other people. I mean, it's That's true. And now, now, granted, also a history of that in hip hop where people are threatening to kill one another and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, but I mean, some of the stuff that, that when he when he when he kind of made his original splash, when he jumped up and interrupted Taylor Swift and said Beyonce should have won and all that. And then uh, lyrics on his new record that that are misogynistic at best, I think is probably a fair way to put it towards Taylor Swift by name and just other things like that. I mean, that's, he's, he's making enemies out of people who aren't even his rivals. You know, he's not taking on Kendrick Lamar. He's taking on, uh, he's taking on just the other biggest names because I don't, I, cause I think something's not quite right in his brain. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it does all come off as rather ridiculous. That's for sure. Um, but now what do we think about the idea? Let's talk about facts, man. I mean, what, I mean, is it, is the dude really 53 mil in debt? Like, is he, is he experiencing financial woes right now? Well, let me just first say nobody on the show cares about facts. So I'm going to take a moment as as was discussed. Did I say facts? I really apologize for that guys, as well as (laughs) again, my lack of documentary Sesame Street. Ronnie, you know that that's hurtful. You know that it's too soon. Okay, but but I am gonna nevertheless open up the Wikipedia page devoted to Kanye's personal debt, just to make sure that what we're talking about is above board. All right. So, what was your question? Is he really that far in debt? Is he really fifty-three million debt? And if you're a guy that's worth as much money as he is, can you really be fifty-three million dollars in debt? I I think watching the sort of 
personal debt cycle of some of these celebrities is all it, it, it's almost a part of the narrative that we expect. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, that Kanye is going to have this like fantastical, amazing crash. And, you know, it, it, this is almost like part of the show. You know, you buy the ticket and, you know, you, you want to see the meteoric rise, but you also want to see the train wreck that inevitably follows. So, I mean, maybe we're just in the train wreck part of the cycle with his story, but I guess I'm just, I guess I'm being a little too literal because I feel like, I feel like Kanye's worth so much more than 53 mil. Yeah. I, I feel like it's the equivalent of me saying, guys, can you lend me 200 bucks? Cause I'm like $50 in debt right now. And I just feel like, well, dude, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I think, I, I think I can come up with $50 to get myself out of debt. I feel like you're talking yeah. about a dude that is worth way more than that number that he put out there. So I'm, I'm trying to understand like where all this is coming from. Well, I, I, what do you think? Um, I mean, he, he said $53 million in personal debt, which who knows how to take that. I, I like that. We're, I like that. We're completely speculating on a tweet by a crazy person. This is right up our alley. Um, good radio gentlemen. But, uh, I, I feel like somebody like him has money invested in so many different things that he may he may he may have paid for his album out of pocket and so he owes the money until the sales come in to pay that back or something or he he may have you know he's looking at mortgages and and cars and boats and whatever else but he has Kim's money too like I mean right. maybe, maybe she maybe he doesn't maybe they keep separate finances but like there's a lot of money in that family and so it I feel like there's probably there could be some accounting truth in that, but it all seems like funny money when you're talking about oh I'll just cash out these investments and all of a sudden that debt has disappeared or something like that. It just to me it you just kind of look at it and you go those aren't even real numbers like that. Exactly, fifty three million is not a number that any normal person can get their head around anyway. So I don't know. I mean, it just it was more of a sign of desperation and mentally and emotionally than it had anything to do with finances from what I saw. Or do you think it was even the finances as much as it was a guy at his level of, um, you know, whatever, of fame, of artistic, um, you know, brilliance, quote unquote, I have to put that in quotes. Um, I mean, do you think that he really thought, given the platform that he has right now currently with everything that's going on in the media, the fact that his new album just dropped, I mean, do you think that there's a part of him that thinks dude, I can get someone like Zuckerberg to invest a billion dollars into my art. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he thinks he can get that investment. I'm a little skeptical that saying your $53 in personal debt is the right way because investors are going to shy away from people who can't handle their money. Yeah. yeah except not for a lot when he adds the part about it being screams. Kanye's ideas, what he's saying is, like, dude, you're just giving me that money because you think what's going to be produced by it is going to be something to stand the test of time. And kind, of, be kind of like this podcast. Well, I, obviously. Digital eternity. Wasn't that, just, wasn't that just laid out for us in, in that fan mail? Guys, it really gives context to what we're doing here. You know, and I hope you think about that. I hope Mark Zuckerberg is listening because if he's deciding who to give $1 billion to, we will stand the test of time. We are the serial of snarky Christian cynical podcasts. We will last for <laughs> digital eternity. And our fact-checking subpar as it may be does not ruin this show in any way, shape, or form. So Zuckerberg, Piper, let's pay bring up. It, let, let's bring it down to no, – I love what you just – I love where you just went with that, man. Let's not go after Zuckerberg. That's not who we can go after. Let's try to think about like, – like, let's try to think about an A-list a celebrity pastor out there who might want to contribute. <laughs> Stephen Furtick, sell your money. house and give me money. 
into our, our ideas, into our ideas. Joel Osteen, sure. you're 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 fairly well off. Can can you just give us the royalties to your next book? You know, your best life next. I mean, he could, but but we make fun of him. I mean, I'm saying like I'm I'm even going as far as saying like I don't know like what's up Sinclair Ferguson like I don't like I don't know. Baby, you're thinking about his, one. I don't think his Matthew book sell that well. Yeah, I'm right. thinking about I'm thinking about Maddie Chan. I'm thinking about Frankie Chan. Maddie Chan, Frankie Chan, about. any Chan will do. The any Chan is, will do. All those guys give away all their royalties to to like their own churches. Although I guess Francis Chan doesn't have a church anymore. So um, right. So I think Frankie, I, Frankie, if you're listening, we need you to contact us immediately. Number one, we're going to make you a guest on this show, and number mm-hmm. two, we're gonna we're gonna ask you for funds. Baby, and, that is a tantalizing offer. And just you, yeah, listen. Just keep the phrase "digital eternity" in mind. Like that—that that is our selling point. Digital eternity. Hey, Big T, tell everybody what we have said about Frankie Chan for years now, and it's all good things. Tell them right now, <laughs> baby. I don't remember specifically what the things uh, about, are about his looks. About his looks. Did he is he is a handsome man? You know, he's a he's just a handsome. He's a good looking dude. I mean, and, have we have we ever not said that? No, we every time we've conversed about one Frankie Chan, that's always come up. Have we ever not said how much we are Frankie supporters? Have we yeah. ever said one negative word about Chan? We never have. Never, in private or public. No, in private or public, man. We are huge Frankie Ardent Chan fans. Frankie supporters. Um, yeah. I so mean, Frankie- I would say we could even start a fan club called Chan Club or Frankie Fan. Would Chan you, Club. Would you say you have crazy love for Francis Chan? I would. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I'm saying that's exactly what I'm saying, Piper. Crazy parkour. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gentlemen. I'm glad that Piper got that big T. That was that was. I know. That was that's sweet. satisfying, that isn't it? It's satisfying yeah, when the thing that's funny to just the two of us is also. I feel like I'm sounding like Kanye right now. i got to back it off. <laughs> yeah, baby. you got to back it off, man, asking for money. You've asked Frankie Chan and Maddie Chan. and You asked Sinclair Ferguson. <laughs> I don't know. That was just that was a momentary loss. of. You just were I... swooning at the accent, let's be honest. But yeah, you know what? True. I'll take his money. I'll take his money. <laughs> Fair enough. Good point. And I'm sure he is. Sinclair, I'm sure you're listening, and thank you for listening. What a name, Sinclair Ferguson. We should do literally a, a topic do names just episode. on his name. You know what? You're Ooh, not going to fail names. with that name. If your name's Sinclair Ferguson, you're not failing. It's instant success. Instant success and credibility. That's a name that reeks of credibility. I think we know what our sign-off is today, Big T. Do you agree? Baby, I have to admit, I've been getting a lot of feedback through my channels. Uh, people, people like the fact that I've brought Rachel Held Evans back. It's true. Oh. Some, yeah, very positive feedback about bringing that back. So I'm, I'm conflicted. I feel kind of torn. You know what? You know what? Let's do big R. I want you to ask Bethy what she prefers, and I'm going to do that. Okay. Like, now are we also- are we going to wait while you text her, or you just mean for future episodes? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if she'd get right back to me. So I'll, let, let's let's prepare it for a future app. Okay, let's prepare it for a future app. And pipe, I know you got to go and uh, and collect children and so forth. Uh, so for now, guys, we have uh, we have done what we always do. We've wandered to and fro. Uh, Until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. 
To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.